So, uh, just a quick survey. How many of you are leaving town sometime for the Thanksgiving holidays? Can I see your hands? You're leaving town. Okay, yeah, quite a few of you. I'm going to head up to St. Mary's, Ohio, about 100 miles north of here. How about the size of our gatherings? How many of you would say, my Thanksgiving gathering is like six people or less? Let's see your hands. Okay. How many would say seven to, let's say, 20 people? A lot of you. Anybody say, my gathering is more than 20? Wow. Big gatherings. Well, uh, I know that not everyone looks forward to Thanksgiving. Uh, Some of you are in very difficult Uh, family situations, and probably you would prefer not to have the drama. Um, Some of you have lost loved ones, and you're grieving that loss, and Thanksgiving just intensifies that, and that uh, becomes a very difficult thing for you. Some of you might not have a family with which to celebrate Thanksgiving, so Thanksgiving is a very lonely time for you. So I just want to say to you that whatever your experience, I know that God knows your situation, and I am confident that he will minister to you and help you, and I just pray that this will be a really meaningful uh, week for you, especially around that Thanksgiving holiday. Thanksgiving's a great time to make memories, and I'd like to to share a personal Thanksgiving memory with you. Um, I was about 12, I think. And the way our family did it, I come from an awesome family. I'm the third of four boys. So the six of us would celebrate Thanksgiving together growing up. And then Grandma and Grandpa Watson on my mom's side would celebrate as well. And then came Mike Woodruff. Mike was a guy that was in prison for 30 years. My dad would go see him, and when it finally came time for him to be released from prison, he really didn't have anybody to pick him up or help him. And so my dad picked him up in prison in Indiana, brought him to my hometown there in St. Mary's, helped him get a job, helped him find a place to live. And from that point on, Mike was a part of our Thanksgiving family celebration, and then his brother Ron kind of tagged along. Well, I tolerated this for a few years, and then when I was, I think, around 12, I decided to lobby for a change. So I talked with my mom and said, this year, can we just do Thanksgiving with just us? Why do we have to have Mike and Ron with us? I think it would be a better experience for everybody if we could just experience Thanksgiving as a family. So this year, I'm proposing that we not include Mike and Ron. Well, we're in the second week of our series called The Table. Last week, Pastor Ben got us started, helped us understand that the idea of the table is that it's this place of love and community. God invites us to experience that with him and with each other. He talked about three passages of Scripture, and I'm going to focus on the third passage that he shared, the parable of the great banquet. So uh, the, the words are going to be on the screen, and I would like to just invite us to 
read it together. Before we start reading, let me just remind you of some of the things that he talked about. This uh, parable that Jesus shared, uh, the context, it happens in the home of a prominent Pharisee. And Ben talked about the meaning of this parable that was intended for those there in the house that, w- that were listening. And uh, it was a very strong message to them. But certainly, I believe God has something he wants to say to us today through this parable as well. In fact, I'm going to talk about three lessons that I think comes out of this parable. So you want to just read it with me? When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So what are the lessons? What are the things that Jesus wants to teach us through this parable today? Lesson number one, life in the kingdom is a party, and everyone is invited. Jesus uses the word picture to describe life in his kingdom, eternal life, and we could debate about whether he's talking about the great judgment or about just life with him, Uh, but I think Either way, what he's talking about is this this relationship with Jesus, this walk where he's at the center. And I believe that starts not when we die. I believe that starts now, today. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So I would just say one of the lessons is that if we think about Jesus' word picture of this great banquet, he's sending a message that says, don't believe the lie. If you've ever believed the lie that the Christian life is supposed to just be a drudgery, mm, no fun, don't, don't believe that. That is not what the Christian life is all about. It's a life that's typified by joy, by celebration, 
by blessing, by gratitude. And so Jesus reminds us of that as he gives us this word picture. And the other part of that is that everyone is invited. If you read the parable, by the end, the doors are wide open and everybody who is willing can come. So I want to tell you this. You will never lock eyes on another person that isn't invited to the party. Don't ever forget that. Everybody is invited. There's plenty of room at his table. Lesson number two. Some won't be there because of their excuses. Now, if you look at the excuses in the parable, buying a field, testing out the oxen, getting married, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, right? They're just normal activities in that day and age. But the problem was that those things kept them from experiencing all that God had prepared for them, that the master had prepared for them in this great banquet. Now think about that. How sad is that? That here these people were invited, all the food they could ever think about eating, great times, fellowship, community, but they allowed other things to get in the way of that. They allowed excuses to keep them from saying yes to the invitation. You know, that's a lot like our lives with Jesus today. The enemy doesn't have to get us to do bad things. He just has to keep us busy enough to miss the party. He just has to keep us occupied. He just has to keep us diverted with other things so that our attention is elsewhere other than attending this party, other than walking in this kingdom life. I think that's especially true in our culture because we have so many options, don't we, with how we spend our time. But if anything else, this parable provides us with a strong warning. Don't miss the banquet for any reason. Don't allow anything to distract you from being there. The invitation is given, but God will not force us to show up That ball is in our court. We have to choose to be there. So make that choice. Don't allow anything to distract you from responding to this great invitation. Number three, the third lesson. We have an awesome responsibility to invite everyone possible to the party. Think about the role of the servant in this parable. 
He had a huge role, right? The servant was the one that announced, hey, the party's ready. Come on. And then he was the one that heard the excuses and reported that back to the master. The master then sent him back out a second time to bring others in. Comes back to the master. Yep, they're here, but there's still more room. The master says, go out again the third time. Go to the country roads and as far away places and bring them in to the banquet. To me, what Jesus is trying to teach us is so clear, so obvious. He wants to partner with us in inviting them to the banquet. There may be somebody here that would say, well, you know, God is God and he doesn't need us and God can accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish. I I think the message of this parable is pretty clear. God chooses to use us. We have a responsibility in this kingdom drama. Again, think about the servant. He willingly and diligently went out knocked on doors, went in the shops, went out to the fields and brought them in. So I guess the question for us is, how about us? How are we doing? Do we have that same willingness, that same diligence, that same passion that we see the servant having in this parable? If not, why not? A couple things that I have thought about that I want to just throw out there for your consideration. One is I think sometimes we struggle with the idea that we don't really need to invite them because everyone has their own beliefs about God and Those beliefs are all kind of equally valid. And so, you know, we don't, we shouldn't really worry about that. You know, you know what I'm talking about? That kind of politically correct thought that says, you know, don't talk about faith things. That's kind of off limits. Don't ever pressure anyone or try to coerce anyone because what they believe is just up to them and so we all ought to just kind of live and let live you know it's like kind of that attitude in our culture these days I think it's easy for us to buy into that now it's true that we should always respect every person and their own faith journey and their experience, their beliefs. We should never try to coerce someone against their will. But friends, this parable teaches us that we have an awesome responsibility to walk across the room, to meet people, to build bridges of friendship with them, to hear their stories, their faith journeys, to share 
our experience with Jesus. And friends, as we do that, please understand, there is a mountain of evidence to support the fact that the Christian faith is true, that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he really will do what he says he would do. And so we can have every confidence in sharing our story and sharing this invitation to the table that God offers us. I think another thing that maybe gets in the way is we just would rather be comfortable. What I'm talking about pushes us out of our comfort zones. It's difficult. Um, we, we like it to just kind of be us. You know? It's hard to reach out to people who are different than us. It's hard to reach out to people who may not think like we think. That's, that's challenging. That's uncomfortable. And so... It's easy sometimes, I think, for us just to kind of stay back where it's a little more safe, a little more comfortable. It's kind of like my attitude about not wanting to include Mike and Ron at our Thanksgiving celebration that I started my message with. That's where I was coming from. Let's just have it be our family. You know, nothing against Mike and Ron, but, you know, they're not us. So as far as the rest of that story, I bet you can guess how my mom responded to my lobbying. You're right. Yeah. She said, uh, Mike and Ron don't have another family. We are their family. And she said, our mission as a family is to be inclusive and just be loving and hospitable. And so Mike and Ron will be here. And I want to challenge you to welcome them and to be kind to them and treat them as a part of our family. She didn't jump on me for my selfishness. She just reminded me why we do what we do, who we are, and that she hoped and expected that I would get with the program. And uh, that experience and others like it has had a profound impact on my life to grow up in an environment like that. Now, I embrace that responsibility. Now, I welcome that opportunity to be an instrument of love and grace to as many people as God would allow me to have that privilege. And you know what I found out? When I do that is when I experience the most joy and fulfillment in my life. Can I just share you one of those share with you one of those stories? Annie was a lady that um, had just gotten out of 
an addiction outpatient treatment program, was uh, traveling on Tylersville Road, saw our sign out there, thank you if you helped us buy that sign out there. She saw the sign, it said recovery ministries and the number for the church. Annie was looking for uh, support after her outpatient treatment program had ended, and so she decided to call the church, find out more about what we do, and so Linda Romer responded back to her, and they got together, and Annie immediately sensed Jesus in Linda, which if you've been around Linda, know that that's what happens. Jesus just oozes out of Linda. She cannot contain Jesus in her. And uh, so Linda invited Annie to the church. Annie came to my next step class the first time she was here. And I heard her story, and it was very sad. Annie had uh, experienced a very long-term struggle with addiction and had felt the consequences of those choices and was in a rough spot. The meeting was hopeful, though, as we talked about maybe a different course, a different trajectory. Uh, But then, unfortunately, shortly after that, uh, she broke her probation, and the judge sent her back to jail. So she's in jail until after Christmas. I felt prompted to uh, go visit Annie, and um, I think this particular visit was maybe August, and I said, how are you doing? And uh, it was very apparent that she wasn't doing very well. She said, it's been a really hard day. I said, what's, what's going on? And she said, I just had a conversation last night with my daughter, my adult daughter who lives on the West Coast. And evidently, the daughter had been very confrontive and had said, um, it's very sad to me that you haven't been the kind of mother that I've needed to have. You weren't there when I needed you. I don't trust you. I know other people in our family who don't trust you. Those kind of things and things like that were very hard, understandably, for Annie to hear. So she said, uh, I've just been walking around with a sense of failure all day. And just this question, am I really that bad? Am I really that selfish? And I think what she wanted me to say is, no, Annie, no, it's okay. But I didn't sense that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. I said, You know, what you're feeling probably is one of two things. It could be the enemy trying to condemn you, trying to tell you lies, or it could be the loving conviction of the Holy Spirit showing you the reality of your own choices and the consequences of those. And as we talked, she said, um, you know, I think what it is is I think it's conviction. Nothing she said was untrue. It was all true. 
And I have made awful choices. So I said, what do you, what do, you do with that? How do you deal with that? She wasn't sure, and so I tried to just carefully explain to her that the Holy Spirit convicts us because he loves us. And he wants to show us where we are. He wants to point out our, our sin, our poor choices, so that we can take responsibility for them, so that we can confess that to him. And he is waiting to forgive us and to take the guilt of that away. And I talked about our part of repentance, no longer walking independent of God, but turning toward him and embracing his loving rule in our lives and faith to trust him that he really will do what he said he would do. Well, Annie said, I want that. That's what I need in my life. I don't want to walk around feeling like a failure for the rest of my life. I don't want to walk around with this guilt. I want to, I want to feel clean. And so she prayed this beautiful prayer, simple prayer. It was wonderful. So then the next few times I visited with Annie, we're all about trying to help her understand how to live in this new relationship with Jesus, how to spend time with Jesus, that he would speak to her through his word and through his spirit, that she could be aware of his presence throughout her days and really walk with Jesus. And then the last time I was with her was just a little less than a couple weeks ago. So this time I said, how are you doing? And this big smile came over her face and she said, I am doing great. And I mean, that's not usually the response I hear from people in jail. And so I was like, really? Well, tell me about it. What's going on? And she just said, uh, every day. I start my day off with Jesus, and he's speaking to me. I'm meeting with him. He's speaking to me through his word. And then I'm very aware of his presence throughout my day. He's helping me respond differently to the people that I deal with. She works in the kitchen in the jail. And, and, and you know, she said... Every time the enemy tries to tell me I'm a failure, that I'll never make it in life, I just remind him that that's wrong, that I am a deeply loved child of God, and he's forgiven me, and he's given me a new start. And then she said, a crazy thing is happening. Women are starting to come up to me and say, Girl, I don't know what's going on with you, but I want some of that. Can you talk to me about that? What is happening with you? And she says, I am talking to them about Jesus and about the difference that he's made in my life. And I said, he can do that for you too. 
And I looked at her and I just said, I'm so proud of you. Tears came down her face. She said, thank you. I feel so good. Friends, I left that jail, that small little cement block visitation room. And as I walked out to the car, I thought, wow, it doesn't get any better than this. This is why I'm here. This is why you placed me here. What an awesome experience. And here's the other thing, friends. There's a lot of Annie's out there. We exist for the people that aren't here. You understand that, right? We have a responsibility to go. to engage. And there's no shortage of folks that need to know about Jesus and this great invitation. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that is all about that. So in just a little bit, we're going to take communion. We're going to come to this table and we're going to celebrate just this awesome price that has been paid so that we can come to the party. The broken body, the shed blood of our Savior. But before we do that, I just just think it would be wise to take just a few minutes to allow God the Holy Spirit to speak to us out of his word. So as I thought about what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us in this moment, I think one thing is there are probably people here that would honestly say, you know what, I'm I'm allowing excuses and busyness and other things to really keep me from coming to the banquet. And if somehow I would die today, I'm not sure I would be there. Wow, if that's you, can I just tell you, you're invited. Don't miss it. Don't let anything keep you from receiving this awesome gift. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I would just invite you to pray with me so that you could make that decision to allow Jesus to be your forgiver and the leader of your life. And then I'm quite confident that there's a lot of us here that are followers of Jesus. We're, we're Christ followers. But somehow, 
our hearts have gotten a little hard or somehow we're just too busy or too comfortable and the Holy Spirit is saying he wants to help us be more effective in bringing others to the party. And so if that's you, I would invite you to just be honest with the Holy Spirit. Confess that to him. Ask him to change your heart. And together, let's help each other. Let's support each other. Let's hold each other accountable for really getting out of our comfort zones and inviting those that need to hear about the party. So can we pray together? Pray with me. Father God, we are so grateful for your presence here. We sense you. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the lessons that you have for us to learn and embrace. Lord, I'm just asking if there's somebody here today that isn't confident that they would be included in the party, I pray that right now they would just confess their sin, be honest about the fact that they have been ignoring you, just communicate to you that their choice moving forward is to receive your grace, your love, to respond to your invitation to the table. And I pray that you would begin that transforming work in them just as I have talked about Annie. And Lord, for a lot of us, I sense you're talking to us about our responsibility to invite folks that may not know you to this awesome party. God, it's not about us. It's not about our knowledge, our charisma, none of that. It's just about being like that servant that willingly obeys walks across the room, initiates a conversation. That conversation might be with a neighbor or a co-worker or someone in line at the grocery store if the conversation goes that way. Lord, we don't want to be obnoxious, but we want to be aggressively loving to folks. So help us. Help us to respond to that challenge. Give us passion. Give us soft hearts, Jesus. We trust you for that. So as we conclude our service, we're going to enjoy this meal. It's an awesome meal. It's life-changing. We're going to do it a little differently. As you can see, there are tables here and back in the back there are two tables as well instead of us serving you today 
we're going to invite you to come forward and just take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup of juice, say a prayer of gratitude to Jesus for his love for you and his sacrifice. Eat, and then you can return to your seats. So we would just invite you to kind of look around and see where there's the most room. There's plenty of stations. Um, If for some reason you can't make it here, just let somebody know and ask them to bring it back to you. We're hospitable here. We'll help everyone, okay? We don't want this to in any way distract you from, from participating in this communion. And while we're doing that, the band is gonna sing and play and We're just going to have this awesome experience with with the Lord as we express our gratitude to him for his indescribable gift on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Okay? So, come ahead.